This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers, and negotiating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Perry-Phillips, and here's Jimmy. (laughs) Hello, hello. You do that intro so well. It's just so beautifully done. I thought I stumbled a Radio 4 promo. No, you do it really nicely. It's very nice. So, uh, (laughs) Radio 4 promo. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Big fan of that. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, Hello. I'm, how are you? I, I'm doing okay. I hope you are too. <laughs> so you would avoid me asking you, so you thought you'd get it out of the way. Just get it in. Just yeah. get it straight in. Yeah, yeah. I'm all right. What about it's all the others, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, the weather's very nice at the moment, isn't it? It's quite warm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Michelle, my wife, is doing lots of work in the garden at the moment. She's got a week oh, off. nice. Her half term was different to our kids' half term, so she's off this week as well. So she's been doing lots right. of work in the garden, and I've been enjoying sitting there, not watching her do it, because that would be mean and horrible. Um, but in, we've both been sitting enjoying what she's <laughs> done in the evenings. on it. Yeah, you've missed a bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's rubbish. Oh, no, no, I would never do anything like that. <laughs> that would be horrible and cruel and mean. No, okay. she's doing amazing work. And, um, yeah. So it, we've been able to sit in the evenings and enjoy her amazing work. She's built this pond. Um, which is really cool. It's like a freestanding pond, and that's really good. And yeah, she's just doing all sorts of stuff to the flower beds. Are you gonna Are you gonna put photos of that on your um, Instagram? Well, I should think I will. I think I have done a few already, but yes, I will. I want to go and check that out. That sounds lovely. Yeah, there's something about um, I don't know if it's just getting older, but just like having a nice time doing a bit of gardening work. I mean, not that I do any gardening work, but I can see the, the mm. you know the attraction in it. Just enjoying life outside <laughs> and this comes up on the podcast actually doesn't it with, mm. with our guest today chrissy wooner that actually the older you get the more you do appreciate different more just mm. like slower lifestyle and just um i don't know things that when you were as a kid might seem a bit boring seem just quite pleasurable now and fulfilling well i never ever would have seen myself watching gardeners world <laughs> on a friday night 
<laughs> which um, I do occasionally do with my wife. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's enjoyable. So, yeah, it's funny how this, yeah, the, the pace of life obviously slows as you get older. And, um, yeah, you find different things to enjoy. Whereas, like you say, it's funny how these intros sometimes lead into our guests and how, how we, yeah, how we change over the years. And obviously, like you say, it comes up with Chrissy, who's an amazing person and guest this week. She was such a joy to talk to, such a bundle of energy. And, yeah, um, yeah it was so good. And she, she told us about all sorts of different things like life in LA and yeah. growing up in, in Yorkshire. Um, yeah. And, and obviously her acting work and, She's obviously done a lot of reality TV stuff as well. So it was a really fascinating conversation. Oh, she was absolutely brilliant. So easy to talk to. Full of life, full of energy. Um, just a really lovely person. And she had a, you know, incredible career in life. And as you say, mm. she lived and worked in LA. And now she's over here and she did reality TV stuff. And so I was like, we were asking her all about that. And mm. um, she said all sorts of things happening. And so she's got a lot of great stories, a lot of great advice as well. And someone who's very open about the ups and downs of their life and career so far. And, and, and that makes, that makes her a perfect guest for the blank podcast. It does. It really does. No, no, she was a, such a joy to talk to. And I, you know, it's been a while trying to sort it out and I'm um, glad what we were able to arrange a date to talk to her. Cause yeah, it was a, it was a genuine joy. Yeah, it was indeed. Um, so we'll crack on with that in a minute. First we'll do our usual admin stuff before we get into, um, I think we got some, uh, Facebook reviews, I think, haven't we this week? Yeah. Um, Old school. Am, I, am I okay to, to promote a couple of, shows um no that's okay <laughs> right so on to facebook reviews uh here's dave from chelmsford um i've so i've got a couple of i'm i'm doing my solo show i'm sure listeners have heard me promote my past shows um i am taking it to the edinburgh festival um but before that i got a couple of shows um in brighton and then in oxford so my brighton fringe show is uh on sunday the 29th of may um, at 4.15pm at the Caxton Arms, which is the same venue I did it at last year. Um, tickets are £5. You can get them from brightonfringe.org. And then I'm doing it at the Oxford Comedy Festival, Comedy Fringe Festival as well, which I haven't done before, but I'm really looking forward to that, which isn't too far from where I live, actually. Um, mm. Handy. So Ox- Very handy. So Oxford is Friday, 22nd of July um, at 7.30pm at the James Street Tavern. Um, so basically a week before everyone heads up to edinburgh so it'll probably be the last outing for the show before edinburgh and tickets are eight quid for that and you can get them at oxfordcomedyfestival.co.uk so if you live in brighton or you live in oxford or near both um please do come along to my show um at either place it'd be lovely to see you and uh, i love doing this show it's loads of fun uh, so i'm sure you'll enjoy it and uh, come and see it before i take it to edinburgh fantastic well i wish you all the best with that i'll see you in brighton though yeah oh top man yeah thank you very much it'll be one of the few people that have seen it multiple times, uh, which I do yeah. appreciate. I'm interested to see the um, the development. Yes, there are. Oh, there's new bits. There's new mm. bits. I shall be taking notes <laughs> and then giving me feedback afterwards, well, or during the show, depending on uh, how it's going. <laughs> yeah, could be much like the feedback we're about to get from Facebook. Oh, I hope is well. I hope your show gets as good feedback as we've got this week. Um, I've got a lovely message here from Rich P. Ort. Um, he says, engaging, funny, and informative. I must listen. And another brilliant one from Rupert Harbour, who says, uh, can't recommend Blank Pod enough. A great concept. Great people. Oh, thank you very much, Rich and Rupert. Uh, I will say big shout out to Rupert. My middle name is Rupert. Well, I've got, got two. One of them's Rupert. Which is a bit I do in, in the show. Um, so 
good on you for having the same middle name as me. Um, but those are lovely reviews. Thank you so much. Charles, if someone wants to get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and, and let us know what they think about the show, um, what's the handle for those pages? It's at Blank Plant. And I think people should really come and follow us on all our platforms. Indeed. Please follow us. Please leave a review. Let us know what you think about the show. And it might get read out in a future episode. Well, because love... it really helps. It helps. And we love hearing from people. And again, mm. also, if you have Apple Podcasts, uh, please do go onto there or via iTunes or whatever and leave us a five-star review and a rating. And a, uh, sorry, five-star rating and a review because that helps us get up the charts and more people can listen to the show. So it, it does all help with the old algorithm. Yeah. And uh, Hit and subscribe as well. That's really And important. hit subscribe. Exactly. Yeah. I know all podcasters say this. But we don't but say it, it for does. fun. No. It's an important And we don't say that often, actually. But it does, honestly, it does really help. So if you are enjoying the show, a quick little subscribe, hit that subscribe, quick little review. It helps other people find and the show. And it costs well. nothing. It's free. Exactly. It it's takes, like, what, free. 30 seconds? Yeah. Like it's, and it and makes it such makes a, a difference. difference. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. I know we talked over each other there, but it does. But we said the same word at the same time. So yes. that's just how in tune we are. Mm. Um, shall we... Crack on with this week's episode. Yeah, because people can't be bothered to hear us waffling. They've on. heard us through the admin. They want to hear someone actually interesting talk. Uh, subscribe and write <laughs> again. I <laughs> know. Oh, it's just it's the admin you have to do when you do a podcast. Yeah. Hit 30 seconds anyway, forward. <laughs> yeah. Here's the good bit. This is the good bit yeah. of the podcast. This is the fantastic, the brilliant, the wonderful Chrissy Wooner on the Blank Podcast. Well, Chrissy, it's fantastic to see you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been, um, I know we've been going backwards and forwards trying to arrange it, so I'm so pleased that we've been able to do it because I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Um, we normally start at the beginning, which is, so you were born in Doncaster, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the exotic climate. Really back to the beginning, back to the, <laughs> back to the birth. Um, so what was, what was growing up in Doncaster like? Well... It was sort of, I love Doncaster, but it's certainly a place where you've got to be from to love it. It was, it was really simple. <laughs> yeah, that's a great take on it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I had two Asian parents. We lived on this, in this tiny little house. And, and what can I say? That was it, really. That was life. And when I'd play, all I'd do is run around alleyways i remember with my friend Lindsay and these alsatians and chase us and it was like that was life but it was bliss <laughs> i loved it i loved it it was no there was nothing jazzy about it or anything it was just that simple and then on a weekend my mum would take me to these dance classes because i wanted to i was like a natural born show off so she just needed uh-huh. that energy to be sort of dispersed somewhere so i didn't do her reading my um my wife is an actor and our daughter she does she works a stagecoach and does uh, drama drama teaching a stagecoach on a saturday and they've been doing easter workshops at the end of the work uh end of the week they did like a performance of the kids and stuff and i took i came down to watch and took our two and a half year old daughter so she can see where mummy works and afterwards in fact fact, halfway through she kept saying to me daddy i want to go on stage (laughs) And at the end, they're all clapping and they're like bowing and she's just like literally walking through trying to get on the stage. So we, we had to put her on the stage afterwards while they were clearing up. And the look on her face was like, oh, 
I found my place. Yes. Yeah, I found my place. <laughs> Another both one. I, both performers are like, oh, no, please do a normal We wanted job. you to become please a chartered a, accountant. Please do an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But, you know. If it's in you, it's in you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. It, like, fills my soul with absolute joy. <laughs> so, yeah, so so performing was a thing for you from the, from the get-go, really, then? Yeah, since I was a little girl. Like, I never really um, wanted... It never really occurred to me to do anything else. I was always that gobby child. I used to make all my friends come round to our garden and I'd charge them 50p to watch me just sing and dance. <laughs> an entrepreneur at an early age. Yeah, yeah. Okay, actually, now I'm thinking if I can get my daughter to do yeah, that, yeah, that's quite say, soon, yeah. we could have a decent income, actually. Uh, where you're headed again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just wanted to just... I don't know, I needed an audience. I wanted to be on a stage and it didn't matter what I was doing, singing, dancing, acting. I'd I just wanted to perform, like, so that was about it. And both my parents were actually doctors, <laughs> so you can imagine. <laughs> she was like, no, you will go to medical school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose if you've got academic parents, then that's kind of the way that they see... I mean, I suppose all parents kind of have a little bit of a, I suppose, um, an inkling on what they want their children to do yeah. at an early age. And I guess those kind of, I suppose for a lot of people, the, the creative fields are, they see it as kind of being quite perilous and difficult and challenging. Yeah. But I would say no more challenging than going to medical school. Right. To me, that is super challenging. And to them, it was just so easy because it was just a pretty stable mm. route. But it just depends on where your talents lie. Like, I think yeah. my mum had died before she got up on a stage and started like tap dancing or something. But to me, that's really, really easy. But imagine me being your mm. surgeon. That would not be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be a very entertaining surgeon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd be selfieing through it. Watch me cut this person off. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. So did you do, were you into drama and stuff at school as well then? So, I mean, obviously we've talked, you talked about doing that outside of an educational um, kind of grounds, but did you do that at school as well? Was that something you were into at school? Yeah, like, so at school, obviously, back in the day, like, drama was not really a thing. It wasn't a job. It was just kind of like a hobby. So it was like everybody else used to call it a DOS class because you were just like, it was just something you do to fill up the schedule and the teachers didn't take it seriously. But then I took it so seriously and the school kept enrolling me in all these, like, little competitions and I kept winning them. So you know how in school you get your colours? Well, in ours, you, if you were really outstanding at sport, you'd get, like, your hockey colours. And on your blazer, you'd wear this sign that said hockey. And I got my drama colours. So when I was little around school, I'd wear this thing that said drama on my blazer. <laughs> so it was just, it was inevitable that was going to be a handful. <laughs> I did it. It's like a warning yeah. sign. Yeah, I was going to say it's quite be quite useful now, actually. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so I always just loved it. So in in school, it wasn't seen as a major deal. So I tried to make it a major deal. I think. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I've always done it in school. I did it out of school. I did it more, really. But then I had to like 
my mum was just like, get all your grades, do what, and I was quite clever in school, and everyone thinks I'm thick, but I was really clever in school, um, and then as soon as I finished my A-levels, I was like, I don't want to do this, and she says, now you've got your A-levels, go do whatever you want to do, so that's what I did, yeah. you know, but... But I was going to I was I was going to ask there. So were your parents supportive then of when it started to come away from being a dream into possible reality? Yeah. Um, first of all, they would they just didn't think it was doable, or I would I don't know what they thought. They just laughed along and always supported me through it. And then when it turned a bit serious, when I was like, right, I'm going to move to LA, and she was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go like this summer and see what I see, whether I can make something out of myself or find a career. And then she got really scared, but she just kind of supported me because she she was in Burma when she was little and she moved to find, you know, her dream country. So she kind of had to support me because she did it. And I was gobby, so I'd be like, well, you did it, so how come you didn't? <laughs> yeah, no, you can hang, hang your parents on things like that, can't you? <laughs> so she did, she did, she understood then, on, on, on a level, she did understand why you were doing it. Yeah, I have, like, the best mum. She just believes that um, whether it's going to be really successful <laughs> or whether you, you, the idea is going to completely fail, you just need to try. Um, simply because you'll either learn a lot about yourself or a situation, and she thinks lessons like that are invaluable. So, yeah, of course. She was really well-rounded like that. So I learned everything the hard way, but I learned. <laughs> well, no, but I think that's great because I think, um, I mean, it's something that comes up on the podcast quite a lot about failure and how we see sort of failure and not trying things because you think you might fail um, because failure is such a negative thing. But actually, failure can be such a brilliant thing in, in regards to the growth your growth as a as a person because you know yeah. if you do have moments of things going wrong then you can learn from that you can move on from that you find out quite a lot about yourself in those moments so that's good that you were able to embrace that a little bit and your and your mum was allowed you know allowed you to be able to necessarily fail or or succeed you know just having that giving you that sort of power to do that yeah and I think it's important for people in general to make mistakes like you've just said but I think when you're a parent and I am a parent um your natural instinct is to protect and save of course because, of course yeah but I don't necessarily think that's the best way I think like people have to find their own way and you're just there to guide not control and she was just that so it was it, she was bliss you know, and my dad was just did whatever my mum said anyway, so it was fine. <laughs> That's normally what we do as... Uh, that's the classic dad position, yeah. <laughs> you do. So how old were you when you went to LA then? Were you quite young? Yeah, I was... Um, I think I was 19, nearly 20, like 19, nearly 20. I went by myself with just a suitcase. Didn't know what I was going to do. I showed up, I think it was... July 5th and it was Independence Day so everything was shut and I was like what is going on I need to find somewhere I'm here oh. <laughs> everyone shut no one wanted to talk to me it was crazy and I just had it was I was so excited I don't know why I wasn't scared I think if I did it now I'd be so terrified mm. but I wasn't I was just like right I'm going to LA I'm going to be a massive success I stayed in a hotel until I found my own place I don't know how I managed to do all this but I was just so confident growing up that I was like, this is it now. This is me. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's really amazing 
because you hear about people saying I'm going to go to LA and, and I'd imagine the percentage of people that actually do it is quite low but you did it you literally like packed a suitcase and went did you have any plans to what to do when you when you were there or people to meet no, I didn't know anyone at all I had absolutely no plans but I had booked a hotel for like about a week and a half and then as soon as I got there I was like asking loads of people and like googling things and I had to get into this like little acting school so I just found my way like that and then I made loads of friends and then I ended up getting in a part it was a, a, like a series of events but I just took it step by step and just had, I just did everything with my fingers crossed. But two weeks and I'd got an agent, so I was like, so, I know, I don't even know. That's amazing. (laughs) It's just because I was so, I don't know, I'm not cocky, but chatty. So if I was to see, I'm like, you need to help me. I do not know where I am. (laughs) I'm British. I'm trying to stay here. (laughs) So people just wanted to help. I don't know. Do, do you think because i've stayed i've been in america a few times and, and stayed there and i always loved it always loved it especially california but do you think there's an element of having the british accent that people are more sort of open to helping you because they're because they're, they're, they're fascinated by the british accent aren't they? They, they they think you're some sort of like royalty or something just could you speak with the yeah accent? yeah oh my god it served me so well because obviously i'm yorkshire so in england everyone just thinks i'm common but in la i'm posh like the queen <laughs> yeah me, me and elizabeth me and Liz are like this. Yeah, yeah. So I'd just say anything to get wherever I needed to be. Everybody wanted to help me because I'm royal, aren't I? I've got a British accent. <laughs> but yeah, obviously. It is, it is mad. I remember being once in... First time I went to America, I was in, I was in Texas for three weeks coaching soccer. I love it. And I remember once walking into a Dunkin' Donuts before coaching in the morning. Well, I just walked up and said, hello, can I get, you know, two glazed donuts? And the whole place went quiet, like happy days. <laughs> and everyone turned around and was like, like, who's this guy? Like you walked and into I a felt, saloon. Like I walked into a saloon in a Western. Yeah, exactly. You could hear like a pin drop on the floor. It yeah, was so weird. And it was really, I mean, you, it was really awkward, actually. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know. I wasn't confident enough to own it. So I was just like. <laughs> okay thank you goodbye <laughs> like, it's just, yeah because i hadn't they people down there maybe wouldn't have heard a british accent oh, no, often, so yeah, yeah. If, yeah they don't see it on television well there's no i don't know yeah they wouldn't have heard it when would they have in it so yeah but you definitely have to own it because you can properly milk it out in america that's <laughs> 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 true it's very true yeah it's very true so that's amazing that you got an agent within two weeks. And so you were doing, you were at an acting school as well while you were in those early days. Yeah, it was just like this workshop thing, but apparently loads okay. of like really successful people went there, but I didn't know this. So I just did this little audition and they just let me go on this course, but all these acting, casting directors were there doing all our workshops. And then I, this woman, she was like the casting of oh, this woman, Alison. I shouldn't call her this woman. <laughs> uh, Alison Rush was casting, um, not Alison Rush, Patrick Rush. Alison worked for him, um, was casting the OC. And then I'd just gone in and just done my little bit. And then she said, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. We need to get you an agent. You're going to work in this town and all this other stuff. And so she really did the legwork. I just went into all my meetings and then there I was. I just got signed up. I don't know. Like, 
it seems so weird. I can't believe that even happened. Because I feel like as you get older, you get a lot more scared and you complicate things. We're always like, well, it's not going to happen. This won't happen. Whereas at 19, nearly 20, you just kind of zip someone. You think, oh, I'm going to be a big star. But because I was so positive about it all, and I thought I would win in my head that it was going so well. My, my career's never really gone so badly. Um, I mean, we all have our, like, issues and flaws, but it's certainly not been that. I've just got the gift of the gab, I think. I've got away. I've, like, lived my life um, via the kindness of other people, and it's sprinkled with charm. That's about it, but it's one way to do it. <laughs> I mean... I think having the gift of the gab is one of life's greatest skills, to be honest. And and I think as well, like you're talking about the kindness of strangers, but you clearly put out a kind energy as well. So you're putting that out there. So clearly you're getting the right people coming back to you. Yeah, like I think, um, I feel like I'm properly judged all the time. I think everyone sees a few pictures on social media and they think I'm like this sort of like sassy, stuck up. Like, I don't know what they think, but I'm like, I'm the opposite. I'm a northern country bunkie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind and I'm warm and it's almost too much for people to take I think because I don't when I, when I first meet someone and I start talking to them I can see them just glaze over like what is she saying to me <laughs> like, they just don't expect it I don't know <laughs> well, I think that's a nice I think that's a nice way to be like I try and be kind <laughs> to people when I meet them and stuff but like we all have bad days sometimes and maybe you're not but I think if it's if it's in you and it's part of your core, then I think it serves you well to be kind to people and friendly because, as I say, you put out that energy and nine times out of ten, it, it comes back to you and people are kind back to you most of the time. Not always, but, you know, they have bad days as well. I don't know. I just think it's a, it's a, it's a good life core to try and serve your life by and it, it's never a bad way to be. No, I mean, it, yeah, exactly. It can never be a bad thing to be kind ever, but in, especially, like, I don't know, like, I get trolled quite a lot and everyone thinks it, but as long as... You know, I try not to bite back, but like you said, you do have bad days. I don't know, but it's really got nothing to do with what people are saying. I'll just be in a bad mood one day and I'll read something and I'll just be like, oh, I hate them for it. <laughs> just because I'm in a bad mood. So it's almost like I'm not really affected by it. We're, I feel like because it's show business, that doesn't mean it's right, but they're going to say things anyway. So you just have to take it with a pinch of salt. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm happy. I'm a good person. <laughs> And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like it affects a lot of people, but it's not something that is a big deal to me. The sponsor of today's podcast is Surfshark. Let's talk about your online protection, because frankly, you could use some. <laughs> Thanks. I could. You're absolutely right. Websites, hackers, and various third parties track your online activity across the internet. Even your internet provider can spy on your online activity and sell that data to third parties. That's not on, Giles. It really isn't. But you can avoid that with a VPN. It hides your location and makes it more difficult to identify you from a crowd of users. Think of a VPN as a safety net from any of the bad guys trying to target you. And it doesn't end there. You know those pop-ups that say unavailable in your location? I hate you know, those things. are really annoying. Oh, they're so annoying. Well, you can forget about that if you use a VPN. You switch your virtual location and access any content, website, or app that's blocked in your country. Now, I have to say, Giles, I've tried Surfshark, and I found it very easy to use, very straight. It's literally a couple of clicks, and you're suddenly on there, and you've changed your location. I felt safer uh, basically being online, and I've been able to watch a few things that were previously blocked 
you know, and you can almost you can choose any country. So I went to the United States. You can choose Argentina, Brazil, whatever. Um, it's very easy to use, and uh, yeah, it's definitely made me feel safer. Have you found the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was very easy to install and and set up, and then using it has been a real dream, actually. And like you say, there's lots and lots of different countries that you can access. It's just a really, really brilliant app. Now, let's say you're the type of person who likes to have a safety net for your safety net. Well, Surfshark has your back. You can have even more protection if you add a data leak detection system called Surfshark Alert, our antivirus and private search engine, Surfshark Search. So try Surfshark risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash blank. Enter promo code blank for 83% off and three months extra free. You heard me right, Giles. Three months extra for free. What a bargain. That's surfshark.deals slash blank. Do, do, do you know what we, as you're talking now, I'm just thinking, do you, do you remember back in the day, they used to have those mood ones and they'd be a different colour depending on like if you were happy or <laughs> I don't know if they were bullshit. They may have been I bullshit. I think they were bullshit, but they were quite... But we all got them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were like, ah, oh, yeah. Really, it, <laughs> it's like a magic eight ball, isn't it? Yeah, it's the yeah. same principle. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But my, it was like weird. And then I think mine just broke or something. Because it just went black. And, and maybe it was just evil. And it just turned black. And you know how it's always turquoise <laughs> It just broke in the end. I, it broke everything. Yeah, happened. well, I'm angry all the time. Yeah, all the time. It just... I don't know what happened to it. Just stop changing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my my theory then is obviously going to fall apart because clearly it was bullshit. But if you could harness that energy somehow in like your mobile phone or something, and so if you're having a you see a, like a, a trolling tweet or something, and then you want to reply, but something pops up saying, "I can tell from your energy that you are angry today." Maybe don't reply. Then I think maybe maybe online would just be a nicer existence for everyone. Is that a good idea? Should I pitch that to Dragon's Den? Absolutely, call Stephen Bartlett and pitch it. (laughs) 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 Definitely, but you're absolutely right. Like Steph, obviously I'm on pat lunch. She always says whenever she feels really angry, she like um, writes writes a anger out and then never posts it or never sends Mm. it or she writes a letter and then she just leaves it. But she feels so much better. So I started to do that, but I'm never really that angry about stuff like. I mean, if people are like, oh, I hope you have a really bad day, Chrissy, I'm like, cheers. <laughs> I just find it funny. I'm not, I don't know. I'm just like, oh, stop. <laughs> It's a funny thing, isn't it? I mean, we've obviously, this is a new thing that we're having to deal with. Um, and I guess if you're in the public eye, you're going to get, you're going to get some trolling or some sort of negativity and it's kind of part of the course. Um, but it doesn't have to be, of course. Um, but yeah, do you, that's good that you've, you've kind of started to find a way or a, a, I guess a, um, a strategy to sort of deal with it. But it's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy to, like, take that stuff on because um, we all do it. We all sort of scroll through our messages um, and, you know, they can, yeah, it can be quite hurtful and painful sometimes. Yeah, it just depends on what they're saying, you know what I mean? If they're just like, Mm. oh, if they're saying something that's completely the opposite to you, like, you can see, like, the skinniest girl and everyone's just like, oh, she's so ugly when she's beautiful, you know what I mean? And who cares? Like, it's just they're deluded, you know what I mean? But... 
you do have bad times. It depends on what they're saying. So with me, it's like, um, if they say something about my work, I'm not bothered. I love what I do. Um, if they say I'm like a really bad mum or something, it gets me. And then I'm like crying into my gym. But then I'll never tell them because <laughs> I won't give them the satisfaction. I just ignore it. Otherwise, you kind of like fuel the fire. As soon as you start, they get going then, don't they? And you just need to leave it. In it. It's not a fight worth fighting. But I'm not good at sticking. Yeah. I'm, I'm good at leaving it if it's me. But if it's someone else that I know and someone's having a go, I don't know what. I go all good, like guns blazing. I'm straight in there. If it's someone else, I don't know. I can't shut up. I need to stop. Everyone tells me that, but I can't stop. My like natural instinct is to them protect. It's like, you don't know them. I'm an idiot. I can't stop. <laughs> I think that's. I think that probably goes back to the kindness thing. If your if your natural instinct is to protect your friends and protect people you know, then I think that shows you are someone that's empathetic, you know, to other people, especially people close to you. And again, I don't think that's a bad thing. Obviously, like channeling that in like <laughs> online uh, uh, <laughs> arguments isn't a great way to do it. But I think that I think that shows again that your your sort of heart's in the right place. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I'm not saying I'm like this perfect squeaky clean person because I'm the opposite. God, like I'm I'm like the artful dodger. But it's sort of yeah, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my heart's in the right place. I would never do anything to hurt someone, and that's all that matters, really. You know, I'm not so prim and proper, but I'm all right. <laughs> So how long? So how long were you going back to LA? How long were you out there for? Um, well, at first, obviously British, so I had to go back and forth a lot. So I was doing these courses and coming back, and then sure. staying for a bit longer, like going for like the whole three months you were allowed to, then coming back. But then I met a guy um, in this little acting course I was in, um, who I started dating. He right fancied me. He asked me to marry him, and then we ended up getting married. So then, obviously, I, I ended up staying there and living there for like until I was like twenty-seven. So a right long time. Okay. It was a really long time, but it was the best time ever. He was like my first love. I'd fallen in love. I'd gotten married, but really quickly. That was probably a problem. And we just lived this really creative, happy life. I think it was great. Really? I mean, we weren't married like for that it, whole time, but for the, we were only married for a couple of years of it, but it was the best time. He probably wouldn't think so. Well, because like, did it all sort of tie into the sort of the LA Hollywood dream kind of thing? All these things sort of happening quite quickly and just part of the, the lifestyle? Well, I just, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I'd gone, I wanted to be natural, I'd got this agent, I was like living there, this guy fell in love with me, wanted to marry me, it was like, it was... It was weird, but just felt really normal at the time. Now I look back, I just can't believe it. So to me, it was the best time, you know, and it all did. It was almost living the Hollywood dream. I don't know how I managed it from me little house in Doncaster. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it was just just that and he was great like michael was just great so i was in good hands until we got divorced and then that was it it was like the birth of chrissy wonder mm, awful <laughs> i just did everything wrong from that point on <laughs> oh gosh don't... was what was was it was la 
how you expected it to be. I mean, you must have had a perception of it before you got there. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like all glittery and all wonderful, and it's so it's it's not that at all. It's the opposite. Like, oh, it didn't even look. I remember just seeing all these like blown out buildings, and like it just it seemed a lot tackier than I thought. And then you know, like the Walk of Fame, it's just a pavement. It, everything stops being <laughs> yeah. so like so exciting anymore when you live there. I think when you don't live there, it's a fantasy and it's fun. And when you live there, it's just like, I don't know, it's just dead normal. I mean, there's at first it, it was exciting. And I think I should have been more grateful because at the time I was like, all my auditions for major shows, but going, showing up at Warner Brothers, Paramount, auditioning for all these shows... And then eventually that just became so normal that I almost didn't care about it anymore. And that was bad. I was like so ungrateful for, it was a dream. Like, God, I'm no, Paramount ain't calling me now <laughs> to go read for him. <laughs> so it was a dream. So I was very lucky. <laughs> it's hard though, isn't it? Sometimes I think when stuff the stuff you wanted, the, the dream, does start becoming more regular, like a job. Every, everyone everyone finds their job annoying sometimes. Everyone finds their job a bit of a, you know, oh, you can't bother today kind of thing. But it's hard when that was something you really, really strived for before. So keeping that balance between that sort of excitement, but also being a working, whatever it is, creative, it's difficult, I think, actually, to keep that balance. Yeah, it's difficult I think it's certainly a job like if you're going to be an actor or any or in the entertainment industry or any competitive industry you've just got to make sure that you can handle rejection because it can get you down very fast but you've got to be able to hear those 600 no's before you hear a yes and Mm. so that's the thing you've got to be good at if you're not good at anything else it doesn't matter how great a performer you are you just got to be able to keep on going because if you can't you're going to hear a lot of no's there's more no's in the world than there are yeses so you just have to keep in the right mindset stay positive and move forward and move past it you know what I mean and that's what's the hardest and that's what can get you down you think I can't do this I'm not good at this they didn't want to cast me I've heard this many no's but you've just got to be able to keep on going because it can make you feel really depressed and it can make you not appreciate the job that you have. But the job that you have is something you've always wanted to do. But once you're in it, it's so competitive. It's really hard. It's the hardest mentally, I think, and emotionally. And all creative people, we feel everything. So it's really hard. Yeah, is is that something you struggled with? Or or, or going back to... Were you so confident being at nineteen twenty that it didn't sort of matter? But but were those no's hard for you, or was there a point when it got too? Well, when I was younger, I was a really rubbish um, actor, and I was really confident when I was really rubbish. And then as I got older, and I got better (laughs) and better, (laughs) it's wicked. I'm amazing now, but I don't believe in myself anymore. Literally, I was like the bloopers on like Britain's Got Talent almost. You know, where they just think they're right good and you're just like, oh, honey, stop. (laughs) (laughs) That was me. And then as I got better and better, it became more serious because I was like, I can do this. I actually can in my head. And I got a lot more, I don't know, I got less confident. And then it, it sort of like, oh, I think not less confident, more worried. So my insecurity sometimes would be like, I'd really want a job. Like, and you just, I just wouldn't get it. And that's just that. <laughs> and, and what can you do? So now I've heard no so much. 
there's been loads of yeses, of course, but I've heard no so much that I'm almost immune to it. I'm just like, right, no, move on, next job, next audition. Isn't it? And that's how and you've just got to be. It's what separates people in the industry. Because I feel like mm. more people don't make it because they give up. The ones that have been doing it for years and years and years. And there's people that, like Sheridan Smith, like we used to be in these little dancing competitions together where we were just little girls and our mums had taken and we'd try and out tap dance each other. And just look at her now, like, and everyone thinks, you know, oh, some brilliant overnight success. But she was a little, little girl, like probably six years old on a stage. She's been doing it for a really long time, you know. So she's just kept it going and it's important to do that. Yeah. I'm just so yeah, I think my career my, my mindset is good and my, when my mindset is good my career is good I just need to not date anyone because I'm such a love bunny and I feel like my love life always gets in the way and I stop being focused because there's so much drama like men are so much drama like I don't know why yeah, yeah. It's, maybe it's we maybe are. just me because it's me versus all the men I've ever dated <laughs> <laughs> see this is my problem i think i'm brilliant when i could probably be the most awful person <laughs> in it but that, that but no that's a hard balance that's a hard balance to get as well that balance between personal life and love life and work and and if you are someone who is especially a performer you you've you've got emotions are always at the front because they have to be for work and stuff so it's hard sometimes to separate that sort of home life and, and work life and I'm, I'm sure it's something that a lot of people struggle with yeah but i think it's really, you definitely do need to find balance and i think love is such a beautiful thing and your career is all you've ever wanted and it's so great to have both and i've just not found that like i'm, I'm almost sort of i feel like an unreliable girlfriend in the sense of i'll make plans with with a day or something say we've gone on a couple of days i'll make plans and they're so excited but then i'll get a call from my agent and they're like oh you've just booked things trying to can for that week and then i'll tell them and they'll be really hurt that i've chose that over them and i can't like oh. <laughs> it makes me feel really really bad but you just i've got to do it like but they're like you don't have to do it but i do <laughs> I think I think you know deep down you do, and I'm really lucky. So my my wife is an actor, as I said, and I'm a comedian and performer. So we we both understand. Why well, have I got this on my head? I love <laughs> it. I love it's it. my. It's my. It's kind of like it's my um, earphone thing. I, I like to. I don't know. I like to. Don't know. You need a fidget spinner. It's, it's a nervous twitch. Yeah, I need a fidget spinner. Um, it's great having her in my corner because she understands that my lifestyle is all over the place with work and I might have to suddenly go to drive to Bognor Regis and do a gig and not get back till 2am and she and same for her she might have to pop into town to do a casting and stuff so then I've got to watch our daughter and stuff so yeah I think having someone that does understand that lifestyle if you are not a nine to five person I think is really really crucial and and I'm just lucky that I found that person when I did and it's just a lot of it is luck I think yeah and I think it's for me I definitely would have to date someone who's in entertainment because I remember when I was like in my first marriage he was an actor also, and he'd be like, oh, I'm away for, like, the next seven weeks. And I'd be like, oh, cool. And if I was away, he'd just be like, it was normal. It wasn't a big deal. But mm. now, I'm and like, if I'm dating someone new and I'm on set, like, they're like, send me pictures. And, like, um, I'd, I'll just not text them for an entire week because I'll be busy. I've got stuff to do. But, I, I mean, I don't know, but they get really mad. But it was like, I was on set at three o'clock in the morning, running through woods, screaming because I'm running away from some demon or whatever. And then just texting me aggressively. And I'm just like, please stop. Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm 
make it stop. <laughs> but that's really important to have that separation when you're when you're working. I think, especially as a, as a performer, like Jim says, you, your emotions are at the forefront of what you're doing and you're performing. It's really important to have that separation. I think, you know, and I think you know, obviously. It's not always easy for a partner to understand that, but I think when you're in the midst of doing a, a shoot or something, and I should imagine that the hours are unsocial because you might be doing night shoots or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that separation is probably quite important and maybe, yeah, something that, you know, you need to... Maybe it's something that has to be discussed <laughs> at the beginning. Like, when I'm working, I'm not going to message you for a week and you just have to kind of like... Well, they don't like that. Have you ever tried saying? someone they get so upset about it i'm really honest so i'll just be like oh i've got a boyfriend in this so there's a sex scene and i can't message you for a week and they're like oh they pretend they're okay this is the worst part they pretend it's completely fine and then when it's not when it's happening they're broken you know what i mean they're like you have not messaged me in a week and you had a sex scene in that film i tell I think as well, if you're, yeah, if you're, feel, I think that's really nice. If you're fulfilled in work, then you're happier. It's probably easier then to meet people or, 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 or find someone because you're happier in yourself. And it goes back to that old adage of like, you can't really sort of help anyone else or unless you sort of work on yourself first. So if you're sort of happy in what you do, I think that's a good sort of basis to start from. Yeah. Also, you're, you're having to make compromises, aren't you? Because you're, then you're compromising your creativity and your work and life for someone and, I, and we all make compromises in certain extent and that's fine but if you're overly compromising what you do then you're not yeah, doing that balance. thing that thing to the full extent of what you want to do it in you know you know if you you're going to turn down roles because there there might be a sex scene or something because you want to you're worried about upsetting someone then that's not fulfilling what you want to do as, a, as an actor and a performer yeah exactly it's just ridiculous like you do have to feel fulfilled and I feel in relationships I'm not that clingy like you for me you do have to both be two separate independent people who who have dreams and goals and you need to enhance each other's lives not sort of like suck energy from one another you know and I'm quite independent but sometimes like I meet guys who don't like that and I'm like well I don't really want to like stay at home scrubbing gussets I just want to go perform and do what I love and I've managed to turn it into a job somehow so I'm just like just let me do it they liked that about me at first, and then they were like trying to rein me in. I'm like, mm. This feels yeah, that's, that's not healthy. That's no. not that's not healthy. But I, w- I will say, I don't think I've ever heard anyone not from the north use the word gusset. And I'm not even <laughs> sure I know what it is. Oh, a gusset is you know like when oh we wear pants or a pair of tights. Oh, I don't know whether you wear tights or pants, but you know that bit in between that that you put on your privates. If you well, if you're a girl, that that part, the middle bit that that you put that covers your dignity. Okay. That's a gusset. I think I know. I, I was about to Google it, and then I thought, probably shouldn't Google it, actually. <laughs> I tried to <laughs> use all oh, my best, politest words then, as well. I was like, <laughs> but yeah, that's a gusset. Rem- I don't want to scrub them. It reminds you of garters. Do you, remember, do you, do you guys know what garters yeah, are? Yeah, yeah, well, that's the, 
that's like a, almost like a suspend. Yeah, that you have around, around the leg. Though, yeah. Like, I love all that. I love dress up. I'm quite a sexy being. And I, I love all of all of that. But it's so, I don't know, like, I don't know. It's kind of like, like bedroom time. Oh, why have we gone on to this? Like, I was going to say, like, bedroom time for me is like an <laughs> I said garden. Like, Sorry, it's my fault. It's so fun. I love dress up. It's so fun. But... <laughs> The reason I say the reason I say garters is because uh, my my Irish grandmother. What, used to uh, say, where are you going oh, with this? Kid? <laughs> uh, Please let me finish. Please let me finish because out of context, this is going to sound very weird. Um, she had a phrase, and her phrase was when she was angry with you, "I'll have your guts for garters." Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which. Oh, God, yeah, I never thought about that phrase. And I've used it loads of times. I've never actually thought it through. But yeah, 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 I've heard it. Yeah, it's quite grim, isn't it? It's quite grim. It is grim. I do like it. I'm just going to tie your intestines around my leg. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start saying it Yeah, that doesn't have the alliteration to it. Not quite quite the same. But anyway, yeah, guts for garters. I've not thought about garters in years. I know, because they're quite old school, but I love that about them. They're quite old-fashioned. I love, like, that old... I think they're glamorous. That old Hollywood glam. Like, I'd have one on. I'm going to buy one on Amazon. (laughs) And wear it all the time. So going back to your first, you said, obviously, your, unfortunately, your first marriage kind of broke down. You said that was like kind of, um, a di- obviously, it was a very difficult moment, but you said it was the kind of beginning of Chrissy Wuna. So what what, what do you what, what do you kind of mean by that? What was, how, how did you start to, how did your kind of career start to change at that point? Um, at that point, I felt like when I was um, a wife, I was young, and I was almost like playing wife roles. So like... Um, making sure dinner was on the table because in my head this is what a wife did I was so young I didn't know so I was I was so unhappy I guess in the end but I was just doing little wifey things that I was almost not being myself because I wanted to be the perfect wife I think and I felt suffocated he felt it was a bit weird I guess because he didn't marry me because I want I was that you know like I was never that you know what I mean and it just we were so young but I don't know there's so much love for each other, but then obviously got divorced and then um, I just made new friends and that was partying, <laughs> basically. I just went out a lot. I met so many different people because I was in this little marriage bubble, but so young. And then when I ended up being like 22 or something, I ended up meeting the people of LA and seeing life and it was so fun. I loved it, you know what I mean? And that was the beginning of... I, I always put her, because she was like, it was so naughty. I was so fun and so wild, but not in a Lindsay Lohan kind of way, just in a fun way, you know what I mean? Um, but it was the best time. I just lived life. I did whatever I wanted. I wasn't answerable to anyone. I had so many friends, and I started um, a little blog, so I would document my life, but everybody started reading it. It actually got deleted by one of this guy I was dating at the time because he didn't like it. 
But I started to document my life and then everybody started reading it. And then um, it just became really, really popular. And so life began then. It was brilliant. I loved my time. I was more outspoken. Um, I embraced my um, sensuality, so to speak. I was sort of glamour modelling. But um, I don't know. It was just brilliant. I loved it. I had the best time. It was great. It was great. So it, it sounds like you sort of became you, yes. in inverted commas. You became yourself, more yourself. Yeah, yeah. I had this, like, I don't know what happened to me. when I, Once I got married, I was like, right, this is it now. Like, I've just got to, like, make teas. And <laughs> I don't know what I thought in my head. Like, I didn't understand what being a wife was because I was just too little. And, yeah, then I, I, then I got to do everything I always wanted to do. And I, and I loved it and I got to be myself. But I feel like it just goes to show you it's, it's, it's being yourself, whether you are the kind of girl that just wants to bake cookies or whether you just want to live the Hollywood dream. As long as you're true to yourself, then no matter what you do, you'll become a success because you're actually loving what you do. And that is so important that yeah. you are you, you are yourself and you're loving every minute of it. It's when you're doing something that's not, not what you want or against the natural grain of you that it then you just become really sad really quick i think in it yeah yeah, I think that's absolutely true i think and, and it's hard i know people find it hard especially if you are younger and maybe you have you know, TV and movies give us this image of what it's supposed to be to be married, what it's supposed to be to be a wife or, or be a husband and stuff. And I think a lot of people don't, that doesn't sit right with them. That doesn't feel right. And and it might for some people, and that's cool. But I think after a while, you sort of, in your gut, you know that this feels a bit wrong. This doesn't feel right. And But it can be hard then to, you know, if you have to go through a divorce or whatever, it can be hard to then take that step to sort of get back to what is what is you. So, you know, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is we get, we get sent images sometimes about what we think it is it is to be a certain thing or people give you labels but it's not always we're all different people and and our truths are different from person to person yeah exactly and it's so it's so important to break down labels and stay well i try well i don't try to do that but obviously i'm like i hate when people are so judgmental you know this is how you are or just say because like say you model for playboy you're just naturally slaggy or just because you're like a librarian, you're not fun, you know, like, and you don't go out and do, like, two-for-one cocktails, like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and people need to stop putting people in boxes, because it's just ridiculous, and it'll always be like that, but the more people just celebrate, if they just celebrated who they are, regardless of what anyone else thinks, then we're all right, I mean, people just get the knickers in a twist for no reason, In it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, and no, I agree. So, did you move back home after that then? Or were you still out there for quite a while? Oh, no, I was out there for ages and ages. Like, I'd, um, yeah, I was just out there just living the dream. Um, and then, like, I think when I was, what was it, 27? Yeah, um, I just missed home. Like, I always feel in L.A., um, nothing is forever. I mean, forever is even temporary. <laughs> and I wanted, I wanted to be a mum more than anything I wanted to settle down I wanted you know a happy life and I kind of missed Yorkshire for that weirdly so I just one Christmas went back home to visit my mum and um and I, mi- I missed everything about all the other times when I'd go back I, I'd, I couldn't wait to get back to LA whereas this time I just really missed it I'd grown up by then so I was like oh mm. you know it just felt really real and it felt 
I don't know. It was just everything I wanted at the time. So my LA adventure was over then, and me. Which was sad, yeah, but I, I had a great time. So I never looked back on it as anything that was bad. It was brilliant. I did so much. Yeah. I think that's part of growing up sometimes and your priorities change. I remember I grew up in a town in northwest Kent called Edenbridge, which is very idyllic. But it's the LA of, of, of the. Of, in of many Kent. ways, it's the LA of Kent. People do yeah. call it the LA of, the <laughs> of um, it's, uh, <laughs> It was uh, really boring. So boring to grow up in. Nothing. Had, no, it couldn't, everyone that lived there that was my age wanted to move to London or get out and go somewhere interesting. It's the, it was um, the Kent of Kent then. Oh come on! Let's not be. It's the biggest. It's the garden. Sorry, of I live England. in Sussex, so we're a bit. You know, we're a bit countyist. We're rivals, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, we, we, we are sort of. Yeah, you're the next door, the noisy neighbours next door. Um, but but now I've moved to a, a place outside of London. So I lived in London for seven or eight years. Loved it, but again, felt like it sort of came. It came to an end for me and I was ready to move out and settle down. And I live in a place that is very similar to the other side of London. But I've been back to Edenbridge a few times and it's really lovely. I would happily leave there again now as an adult with a, with, with a family. So I don't know if it's just getting older sometimes or your priorities change. And, and it's okay to have different priorities throughout your life. It's okay when you're younger to want to do the fun stuff. And maybe when you're older, that's okay to change that and have different priorities about what you want to achieve and the person you want to be. You know, when I was younger and wild, everyone thought I was like a wrong one, but I actually did everything right. I did a wild 20s and then grew up normally. <laughs> I don't know. I do have like this midlife crisis where I was like, I need to go out and date a toy boy and like party. I've done it the right way. <laughs> as far as I can see. <laughs> but no, you're right. And it's just people develop. And I'd love, I love going to visit LA and I love a wild night sometimes, but it's certainly not a priority. I don't care about it now, you know. I'm not busting moves and shapes in clubs. I can't be bothered. I've got better things to do with my time. <laughs> It's, it's just the recovery. It's just the recovery from from a big night out. Now is the is the issue. Unfortunately, it takes me. Mm. I went to I went to Wembley on Sunday to watch Crystal Palace. Giles came with me. We were both went to the semi final, and I think I had three cans of a pale ale, and I <laughs> and they're quite small cans, yeah. like these, these, you know, like Coca Cola size. I felt awful the next day, and that but that to me is part. In fact, actually, the hangover started to kick in on the way home <laughs> because we started so early. It's probably day drinking starts so early. So yeah, I just it's the recovery from I would I'd love a lot sort of night out now and then and a bit of a boogie or whatever, but I know that I'd be a write off for the rest of the week, so it's just It's not yeah. It's not, I mean it's, it's fun, old. but yeah, I just have to go steady, but well, I don't know. Like, I just don't I, it just happens once in a while and then I feel rubbish for the next week and then no work gets <laughs> done and then I feel really bad about myself. But <laughs> like it just happens. <laughs> like and it's awful if you're a parent because you have to wake up and do parent things and it's like oh Oh, please go away, children, when you just hog over. So it's not <laughs> worth it. Because <laughs> oh, they come and tap you at like six o'clock in the morning wanting food and stuff. And you're like, oh, please stop. <laughs> Make me food. <laughs> it's hard. I was, I was thinking when you came back, when you obviously when you came back, were you, did it, did it cross your mind that you weren't necessarily... I'm just thinking like with acting and, and work and obviously you're in LA, you're 
I guess the perception is again that you're kind of right near the thing that's going on. Like you're you're you know you're you're really like in the hubbub of the industry, and you know you're close to it all. Did it feel a bit like when you came back here that you there might be it might be a bit more difficult to find work and and actually to carry on doing the acting and the performing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was all everyone I knew. We it was weird. I, it was like everyone I knew was in Hollywood, which was really odd. <laughs> like, because I know there's so many like UK actors that strive for that, but everyone I, I knew was there, and all my contacts were there. So I didn't know how to start. I didn't even know how to begin acting. I had an American agent, but not a UK agent. It was so weird, and I don't know. And then. Um, that's how reality TV started for me because then, um, I had auditioned for straight away, almost two weeks in, I had auditioned for Paris Hilton's British Best Friend, um, for ITV2. I remember like it was like this cattle call and we were auditioning 20 girls at a time. But then two weeks after that, I was on ITV living in this BBF mansion trying to be Hilton's mate. So it just all happened really quickly. I don't know, like two weeks back, and then I was I was there, and then it was all right. But I'd almost stopped acting then because it was just reality TV, and then like that was it. And then only re- recent, not recently, like after that, then I was like, right, I want to act again. How do I do it? Mm. So that had to ease me back into entertainment because I was not involved in the entertainment industry at all in the UK. No one had even heard me. Nothing was going on for me, like, at all. No one knew. But, thankfully, I just got put on that show. Like, I think I just ticked loads of diversity boxes because I was, like, Northern and Asian. So they're like, oh, plonker on. And, I, and that was it, like. And that was it. And you just said, saying gusset, just saying gusset over and over. And they're like, yeah, that yeah, was Yeah, yeah, literally. I breezed. 20 girls at a time. I just breezed through the audition. I don't even know how. All you had to do was, I was like, this is easier than acting because you just have to talk. And then they just like you and shove you on a show. <laughs> I was like, this is easy. So it was brilliant. And then from that point, loads of reality TV, blah, 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 made loads of contacts and then ended up sorting my life out and like trying to be an actor again. <laughs> so with the, with the reality TV stuff, how, like, I'm always fascinated by that. How scripted is it? Is, is, or does it depend show to show? Is some of it more sort of like free-flowing and really reality and some, some of it more sort of structured? Oh, I think it's it's always structured because they have to do a show, but it's not scripted. I think it's cast. So they know people are going to react in this situation or going to say this or, like, they know what I don't like. And so imagine if I don't like someone who's so judgmental or thinks this about something, they will make sure that person comes to me and says something to me and then I will react because I can't stand it. You know what I mean? Like, I'll go for it. And so it's just cast really well. And then obviously situations are manipulated, but they have to because it's a show. But it's not scripted. I mean, I've recently filmed a show that comes out this year. That's reality. And um, that... (laughs) I can't tell you anything about it, but that... That is not scripted, and that was the craziest show I have ever done in my (laughs) life. Like, oh, my God, like, oh, my gosh. But, no, it airs in the UK and the US, and it is not, and that is not scripted at all. In fact, they would have to cut most of it out because I don't know how any of it would be remotely PC. Like, (laughs) oh, my God, oh, my God. God. Oh no! You're gonna have to tell us off air about that. You have to tell us off air what that is because that sounds. I'm very intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But with, I guess, with the reality stuff, you, I guess you know you're in a reality TV show. So I guess you know these situations might happen. Do you have to kind of like, as a performer and an actor, sort of let yourself go a little bit and kind of forget that you're being filmed, I guess? No, you do forget. I, you, you forget. Like, I forget. Like, oh my gosh, you, you, you go in knowing you're on a reality show. You've done your BTs. You go, hi, I'm Chrissy from Yorkshire and you might know me from... You do all that. And then once you go in, you know you're in a show for, like, the first, like, couple hours. And then the drama just seems to happen. Something will happen straight away that they've manipulated where that's it. And when when you're filled with passion, you forget about the show. Like, when I did a first date, you don't know that's being filmed at all. You just, it's, you can't see a camera at all. You're walking into a restaurant and you're just on a date. Literally, there's no cameras, nothing. You just set a table talking to a guy. Like, so you, you completely forget. Like, I do anyway. Like, that's probably a problem. But then, <laughs> like, but it's towards the end when you know it's coming to an end then you remember that it's a show and then i then then i go on actor mode and start playing up to what i represent <laughs> but in between i forget completely yeah definitely I, wow. yeah it's really interesting with reality shit because obviously in the last few years there's been fallouts from various reality tv shows and i wondered whether obviously your experience you've done them for quite a while yeah. whether there's been a um more structures put in place for aftercare and things, especially if you're doing a show where you are being very emotional and there's emotional, because you're being manipulated to a certain extent, um, whether there is more aftercare and, and, and people, contestants and people that are being involved are being looked after more. Is it, do you think there's been a change? Oh yeah, a massive change. Like when I did that um, Hilton show, it was probably uh, 28, was there 27, 28, and then I'm 41. So I don't know how many years that was ago because I'm rubbish at math. There was like, Five, they say you have to see a psychologist to go on the show. He asked me about five questions and then was like, right, cool, great. But he, they, he knew nothing about me at all. And then obviously um, on that show, Kat um, was one of my closest friends on that show. She did end up committing suicide from being on that show. But because she wasn't evaluated properly, you know, and, and it's really important that people are... Um, but it was almost not talked about then because it, you know, it was only when the Love Island stuff started happening and then it happened more and more. And then all of a sudden people started helping. But it's so bad because lives are being lost just in the name of entertainment. Um, not in the name of entertainment because their lives were pretty much destroyed. But, um, that's how being an actor helped because I understood the process of telling a story. I understand the process of a show being made. I understand if someone has to be the fun one, the quiet one, the villain. I get that. So actually being an actor going into reality TV helps a trillion times more because if it's just Susie Smith who works in a sandwich shop, I can't speak, she has no idea of what she's letting herself into or what's happening. And, and it's very difficult then to, like, come out and then have people hate you or hate on you. Whereas I just be like, mm, next job. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. So it's really important. But now um, it's completely changed. Um, before you go in, um, this last show I did, um, it was two hours on the phone to a psychologist all the way through every single day, we had a meeting with welfare. Um, I came out um, and then I had two more meetings with welfare. And obviously then I could stop because 
if you're going through problems, then that will continue, I guess, for a certain amount of time. But then they could just, they just closed on mine because I said I felt fine. And I did, so. I was already on a different show by then, so I was like, I'm fine, don't worry. You know, so it's much better now. But it's certainly not, you should not, I think people want to get on these shows to become famous. I know I certainly go on them to build popularity, if I'm being honest. You know what I mean? But you do have to... There's a lot. You do have to be emotionally and mentally strong, unless it's a show you just love, like Pat Lunch. I love it. I'll just go on and banter. It doesn't matter. It's fun. But that's not so crazy. I'm not locked in a house or in a villa where people are just being evil twenty four seven. You know. So that's that's really good to hear that 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 had, that, that has changed and that has got got better. Because I think you're right. I think you have to be a certain sort of person and mentality to even just get through the process of filming the show. But then if you add on social media and stuff on top of that, it's a, it's a lot. And I guess, as you say, if it's someone from a sandwich shop or whatever, it can be really overwhelming, I can imagine, going into that world. Whereas, obviously, you've got experience of performing, and so that sets you up better. But, um, yeah, I can imagine for someone that doesn't have that kind of experience or background, it, it must just be completely overwhelming. It's a completely new life, essentially. Well, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they would cope with it, because you just... Like, I can go in and see if someone's putting on a show or whether they're just really hurt. Like, I can see it and sense it straight away, but I don't know how they would deal with it. I would find it really difficult. I don't know how they put up with it. It is very, very hard. Like, if you're not in entertainment already, it's it's so... It's, it's long hours, too. You know, at least if you're working a TV show or something, it's not like that, like... You, it's long hours. You're looking at like 13, 14 hours a day. So I don't know how, how like they work it because it takes a lot out of you and you're very, very tired through it. So it's, you know, props to them, but it is hard for them to come out and then see everyone gets hated on. So like to see that, it hurts them, I think. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah, I was wondering if people that are on kind of reality shows should have sort of boycott social media for like at least a couple of months afterwards. Yeah. So that they don't get involved in all the sort of backlash and stuff that comes with it. Because even if you're like the most loved contestant on something, you're still going to get some people not sort of hating on you and stuff. Everyone gets hated on, you know, and that's the, the beauty of it is that we're meant to be characters on a show and, you know, someone loves mm. that person and someone hates it. But it's so hard and I guess... It should be boycotted, but then I'm, you know, entertainers are going on these shows to build popularity, so it's like they need everyone to be talking about them almost. But it's so bad, it's like, I mean, I do it, and it's so bad, because I just ignore it in the end, I stop replying, I'm just like, I, it's, you know, just watch me on the show, I don't want to talk to you afterwards, like, <laughs> Because I'm always straight into the target. Even on daytime telly, I'll just sit there and say something lovely and then I get hated on. Like, I'm just like, what are you doing? I haven't even done anything. <laughs> you, can't, you can't win. I think it's, 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 a, it's a winless battle, I think. And, and pe- some people just want to hate on you 
to make themselves feel better for no reason. So I think, but I think you've got the right attitude to it. And, you know, it's really glad to hear you've clearly got that sort of balance between what's worth your energy and what is clearly complete bullshit that doesn't, isn't worth taking up your time. And I think that's a, it's a healthy way to be in, you know, in, in a tough industry. Yeah, I mean, it just comes, I don't know, I think if I was 21 years old, I'd find it really hard, but I'm 41 years old, and I'm like a granny now, I feel like, oh, it doesn't matter, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't, and it doesn't matter if, if Timmy works at the garage, and hates me for a bit, it's alright, <laughs> it's fine, you know, you can't win them all. <laughs> That's true. So getting back into acting, what, what kind of, was there a moment where you were like, Right, I'm going to really dedicate myself to getting back into doing the acting stuff and getting back on sets and, yes. you know, working again. Yeah, I was working a job in an estate agent um, to make money because I'd had no money, no jobs and really broke. And it was the most awful time of my life. I was like, why is there this, like, boss telling me to hit these targets that I don't care about? I was like, oh, it was, like, the worst time. And then I was like, I'm just not, this is not what I want to do. And then one day I just said, I'm, I'm done, I'm quitting. And, and But I'm quite like that. I think quitting is not a bad thing. If it's not you, then don't do it. You know, life's too short. But loads of people stay in, like, unhappy marriages and unhappy jobs just cause but I'll be like it's fine I always find my way and I just quit and then I enrolled in like a little you know you get these little acting workshops and so just enrolled in one just to like for a bit of exercise really loved it and then straight away I was like right need to find an agent need to do this and all that stuff and it just started all over again and then and then it just worked out again I found the agent I wasn't even on spotlight at the time because I was in SAG and I didn't know I could even work I was in Spotlight, on Spotlight. And I was like, what is that? And they were like, oh, no. And I was like, well, I'm like in the Screen Actors Guild. And they were like, no, 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 you need to. And I was like, what? And they said, in order to be on Spotlight, you have to have done, like, drama school or four feature films. And I'm like, what? I hadn't been to drama school, and I certainly hadn't done four feature films like that. But it took me a year, and then I was on Spotlight. I was like, mm, done it. Chrissy, I'm on Spotlight and I haven't done four feature films or a year's work with it. I just had an agent and the agent just vouched for me on Spotlight. Oh, God. I didn't have an agent at the time. And then I hadn't done any theatre or anything that was professional. You know what I mean? Like, I might have done, like, when I was little, a few pantomimes when I was about nine, but that was about it. (laughs) And so I ended up having to, like, go on, you know, like, go on Mandy and audition for all these feature films. Until I finally, like, um, worked with this guy, a producer, Scott Jeffrey, and then um, I went, I did a couple of feature films for him, a couple for someone else, and then boom, I'd done it. But it took a year, um, but yeah. it wasn't so bad. And then I managed to get um, an all right agent. He's good. <laughs> I shouldn't say all right. <laughs> Rob will kill me for that. The best <laughs> agent in the world ever. <laughs> <laughs> so is Spotlight quite crucial then? Because I, I, I mean, I've... Yeah, yeah. nodding in. Like, yeah. But it's so bad, it's so bad. I feel like it's so hard. Say if you're so green and you want to be an actor, you've got to try and do either loads of theatre or be on a TV show or book four feature films. That is quite a difficult ask. And not everybody has the money to pay for drama school. So they mm. need to not do that. It's so ridiculous because loads of talent just won't won't make it like all your jobs go via spotlight you that's how you're going to get submitted for the big jobs they only go on there 
say if Netflix are casting ITV, anything, any any sales or any of the major dramas, it's all on there. Like, and your agent just needs to submit you through there. They won't accept any anyone else from any other sort of walk of life other than that. And it's so annoying. I think that's wrong because there's so much talent. It's snobby. I don't like that. I feel like it's bad. In it. Yeah, because it becomes elite. There's a certain elite that can only get work because they're on some platform. Yeah, and that's wrong. Showcase. Um, It just seems. Yeah, it does seem wrong. I, I, I didn't. I know. I've I've seen. I've heard of Spotlight and seen it online, but I didn't realise it was such a crucial part of the acting industry. And I just yeah, think, yeah you're it does seem classed like, as like a professional bizarre, actor if you're on Spotlight, and that all the professional jobs, like the big ones that you want to be going out on, um, are only submitted via Spotlight. But in Hollywood, they don't care. You could work in a card shop if you can do that job and you get into that audition then they'll read you. Like, I used to lie and call them up and pretend when I didn't have a um, an agent at the time. I'd call casting and say, I've got this girl called Chrissy Wunner. She's Asian. I think she'd be really good for the role. Is it all right if I just fax you? As if I... And we used to fax back in the day. <laughs> fax you through a headshot. <laughs> I was at Kinko's in LA and I faxed through my headshot to casting and got through and then went to audition for, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So they're big shows, and they'll see anyone if you look like you could play the part. Whereas in England, they're so snobby, you know, like a lot of things. And that's why a lot of even things like bathroom and things like that, like you don't have to have come from a drama school to be a great actress. I think it's more about life experience, the things you've experienced in your life, which build on um, your emotions when you act, you know. It's not about learning it textbook way, like nothing's like that. It's, so it is yeah. snobby. I agree. I think I, I think actually there's there's a big difference between sort of uh, the American way of life and British way of life. So I think in America, everything is built on this fact that like anyone can do anything. I mean, like, like anyone can be president, for example. Yeah. Like, anyone American... in Hollywood, you could you could. Oh, well, unfortunately, that has been an issue the last six, four years. But never mind. Um, <laughs> but that is the uh, but that is the, well, American, the American dream. dream. Yes. The American dream. Yeah. yeah, you could be anything, and, and, and you know, in Hollywood, yeah, you could, exactly. You could be working in a diner, and then the next minute, you could be in a in a in a, in a film here. It is all you have to be a certain person to do this thing. I think it is a bit, it is a bit snobby. I think you're right, and I think it is a bit restricting. I think really, and you can only be a certain person if you do these things, or you come from this place, or you go to that university. Yeah, you know, you're going to be a politician if you go to Eton or whatever. Mm. It's all, it's all. There are structures to it, and I think that is. I think you're right. You end up losing out on a lot of talent, probably in many industries. Yeah, definitely. And- you know, that elite is just, you just got to be rich, basically. You just got to yeah. have money to pay for your, the best schools or to, like, go to, like, in any industry. Or, like, be squeaky clean. Like, so obviously I'm not, I've got a very colourful past. And so that wouldn't necessarily be, um, say, like, BAFTA would hate that. <laughs> but I'm obsessed with that and nominated for a BAFTA, so I snuck my way in. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> So it's like that. So whereas they, it needs to not be like that. There could be some kid who's just growing up on the streets who finds such delight and such freedom via acting. They'll they'll never go to acting school, but if they just got discovered, they'd be brilliant. And and you know, they might not be seen as so bafta or rich or squeaky clean but they're so talented and they have a story to tell and that's how it should be run like i don't understand what everyone is thinking it's nuts yeah 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, Chris, it's been wonderful talking to you today. I've got one more question. Oh, go on. Uh, and it's about these these great movies that you've been in. Oh, God. Dinosaur <laughs> Hotel. Um, and I just wanted... To, they, they look like there must be so much fun to make. What, yeah. What's it like on being on set for one of those big monster films? Oh, my God. They are so fun. Like, I cannot even tell you. So, Scott, Scott Jeffrey is the mastermind behind these films. And he always... You know, like, in the olden days, like the carry-on films where they always use the same actors and rotate yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. So you never go onto set without knowing everybody that's working on this film, whether they're on camera or off camera. It is the most wonderful time. We all live together. They're the most brilliant films. He shoots each feature film in less than a week. So the entire thing gets wow. filmed in less wow. than a week. It is all go. It's almost the best training for any new actor because you'll get up and be on set at nine probably finish at three o'clock in the morning and do it all over again have the whole film done and so you learn to learn your lines fast act really quick get it right and get it done it is so fun because it's just a laugh but they're yeah. like it's just i've made so many wonderful friends and it, like scott is so so incredibly talented and so loving and he's actually made so many people's dreams come true like it's just a laugh like, it's so fun. I've run away from a crocodile, been tossed off a cliff by a team. <laughs> <laughs> so when, like, I'm eight years, eight years old, I'll always remember that. <laughs> so, but I get this, this, this is probably a very stupid question, but like when you're on set and as you say, you're, you're, you're maybe doing a film with people that you worked with previously and, uh, and you all get on, a more, ho- a more harmonious set must surely end up in a better product and a better film yeah yeah definitely question yeah definitely it's all about that really and um he always says that he tries to now cast actors that are just good people (laughs) more than anything Mm. because um once we're like a family and it's rotated and it's almost easier when it comes to acting because you know that person you know that how they act you know how they're going to rotate um with how you're feeling and it's it's the best way to do it. It's kind of old school, but it literally is the best way to do it. And almost now, because we're making such good friends with each other, the films are getting better and better and better, which is delightful. <laughs> but it, it does work. The more harmonious any set is, the better. I will say that about Pat Lunch. It is like a family and no bad can come from that show because there's not a single guest that comes on that show and doesn't notice the ambiance. So I don't know how it is on other shows, but obviously we we must all get on. But it's the same like that with Scott. Like, he'd only have people in his films that were more than anything, he says, it's how you are as a person. There's no well, that goes back to what we were saying at the start of the podcast, wasn't it? About being, if one of your core values is being a nice person and like, good to get on with that's going to serve you in not just your personal life but your work life clearly because directors and people producers want to work with people they can get on with so if one of your core values is i'm good to get on with and i'm kind then you're going to get more work yeah and that that's all they like base it on really because everyone there is auditioned and read and they know that they're like a good actor anyway so the next step is can i work with this person and that's the most important thing, really, because so many different sets, like, if people aren't 
maybe um, as lovely. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Um, it can just put everything behind. So much stress happens. It stops being a good time. And that's not why we're there. That's not why we're doing it. You know what I mean? And it affects the end product. It affects you. Like, it's not worth it. So I'm glad that people sort of pick wisely. <laughs> And it's not just it's not just about like acting ability. It's certainly about the person you are. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think if you you know if you're reasonable to get on with, um, you know, and you turn up on time and do the work, then you know you're always going to be someone that you'll get called upon because you know you just it's it's easier to work with. So you know, it's, they're simple things to put in place, but not everybody seems to know to do that sometimes. Yeah, no, it's just so important. People who just come, love it, and get on with it. That's all everybody's wanting. You know what I mean? Not like not kicking off about nothing. Like, mm. but um, yeah. So Scott sets are really good for that. Like we're all, we've, it's turned us all into scream queens now. <laughs> so, but like um, <laughs> we have the best time offset. Literally, we know everything about each other's lives. Who would date? All sorts. It's the best time literally and uh, what memories we've made they're just so funny like we've at some point all of us have been running away from some crazy demons so we're all in the same boat <laughs> i know it's brilliant it's brilliant and they, they you know they're, they're like those kind of old b movies yeah you see like the old black man and it's and they're fantastic and it's great that you know those kind of movies are still being made because we all need you know film should be something that you know you can just turn your brain off for, for you know for an hour escapism. And escapism, yeah. yeah and just like you know just get into a world that's not you know it's unrealistic and and the ama- like you know just really yeah fantastic like and action just... field and you know all those sort of things it's, yeah. it's brilliant and i think you know we there's i i love all those kind of movies to be honest yeah they're just and they're just so fun to do they're fun to make it's a laugh like and you know they're just it's just the best time like it's the best time like, and it's not like, it's it's literally because we all know each other. It makes a massive difference. Mm. It's sort of... That's how work, yeah. That's how work should be. It should be fun. I think that's uh, that's great. Oh, Chrissy, it's been such a, honestly, a, a genuine joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, love, love, so lovely to have you on. And thank you for being so candid with us and um, telling us all about your story. And thank you. It's really um, great to talk to you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. On. I love you both. You're just so funny and so sweet, and you're just so easy to get on with. And it's just like you're doing a wonderful job. I love you. I love you. I love you. Why are you getting a shimmy then? No one gets a shimmy. Not until like the third date or something. <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. You've been brilliant. Thank you. Oh, love you. Love you. Love you. There you go. Chrissy Wynn. I, I felt like this should you, because I did the intro, maybe you should do the outro for this one, but uh, I then realised that the music was ending and I need to talk. Um, anyway, Chrissy Wynn, what a guest she was, Charles. Which is a, what a fantastic person. Yeah, oh, it was just a joy to talk to her. Absolute joy. Like I said to her at the end, her energy's amazing. She's just she, just a really good laugh, you know, and d- d- wonderful company and just so, yeah, uh, sort of the earth kind of person and, and very honest and open about her life and all the things that she's been up to and doing in the last, you know, and she's packed a lot in, 
to her sort of forty yeah. something years, and uh, yeah, amazing person to talk to, and just so interesting and and engaging, and um, yeah, I really love talking to her. I think as well, someone that's very true to herself. You know, she's talked a lot about mm. having these moments in her life where she maybe thought, "Well, I wasn't quite happy," and so she's she's stayed true to who she is and who she knows she is. And I think that's massively inspiring because I think you know we can all take something from that. And and she's in a good place now as well. And you know, I think well, more power to her. She's a very inspiring person, very talented person, and a very lovely person. And when you get those three combined, well, you pretty much get the best of human, don't you? So uh, yeah, she was a lovely person to talk to, and some great stories. But I think a very inspiring journey for any of us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you say, inspiring person. Because I, I do always look at people like that and think, oh, you know, I need to, we need to, we all need to be a little bit more Chrissy. You know, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm a terrible. Uh, it's not a bad thing being a people pleaser, but when you're doing that all the time, you're not always true to yourself, are you? You're doing the things that you want to yeah. do, and we sort of touched on that a little bit. Uh, in the podcast about making compromises for for other people in our lives and sometimes you do need to put yourself first a little bit and um you know and i think there's nothing wrong with that sometimes you know it's compassionate um self-care to be a bit selfish sometimes you know there's there is a positive selfishness that you can have in life and i think it's good to think about yourself in certain situations you know and when it comes to work and stuff you, you know it's important to do that absolutely yeah completely agree yeah again i said it on the podcast if you can't you're not, you're not going to be able to help other people if you can't sort of help yourself first. I think you, you do need to be the priority um, in a healthy way. Um, and then you are able to then give your energy and your love and support to other people. But you can't do that if you yourself are not, if you're not working on yourself first, I think. And I think Chrissy is a good um, exponent of that. Um, so, yeah, great person to have on. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Of course, I've got to say at the start of the podcast, there is extra content with Chrissy, isn't there? There is. Yeah. She got um, some, some, some good posts. Shall we say who it's from? We can say who it's from. So she got she got a letter from the Queen, yeah. which not many people get. Um, and so in in our in our extra content, which is available for our patrons at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash blank podcast, she talks about this and other stuff as well. So um, yeah, bit of extra content there from Chrissy and extra content from all our guests as well. So if you want to hear more and you're not a patron currently, do sign up, patreon.com slash blank podcast, and you can hear more from all of our guests every week. You certainly can. And uh yeah. It really helps. Again, you know, just subscribing to our, you know, to, to the public feeds is fantastic. But also subscribing to Patreon, you get extra stuff. Yep. And it means that we can eat. <laughs> Does help. Does yeah. help. You get the podcast 24 hours early. You get it without any adverts and you get extra content. I mean, what uh, more could all, you want? All for $5 a month, which I think is about four quid, four fifty maybe, yeah. uh, depending on where you live. Um, so a bargain, really. Um, for extra content and and priority priority mm. downloads so please do if you are enjoying the pod you want to support us in a way as Giles says it does he help the pod keep going then please do sign up to our patron because uh, we'd really really appreciate it um also Giles bit of a um announcement we are taking a little bit of a <laughs> after getting people to sign up um we're taking a little bit of a break for a bit well we're going to break from normal episodes, but we are going to still keep putting some episodes out. Yeah, absolutely, because we, we, you know, we need to catch up because we yeah. we record every week and we we like to be able to get ahead of the game. So yeah, we, we're still recording, we're still making stuff, but it's yeah. all a bit behind the scenes. So we just thought we yeah we'd we'd have a little break from releasing stuff. We'll put out some um, some old classics yeah for you. So the pod will be still be coming out every week, but yeah, it yeah. just means that we can uh, catch up with ourselves a little bit because it's only you and I making this thing. So, you know, sometimes we need to yeah, catch up with what we're doing. 
Well, some because some weeks guests can't make it for whatever reason, and we don't want to be in a situation where we only had where well, we got no episode to put out mm. next week. So we like to try and get two or three episodes ahead of ourselves. So we've got backup. But as I say, we've got 160 something episodes now. So we're going to put out a couple of our classics um, over the next couple of weeks. So if you're new, then uh, do keep an eye out for those because it gives you a taste of the sort of people we've had previously on. Um, and if you've enjoyed those, then you can always go back through the back catalogue and, and listen to more. There's, there's, there's literally 160 episodes to get through. Um, so you don't need to do anything as a listener. You're, you're still going to get an episode next week. Um, and then we'll be back in a couple of weeks with new episodes uh, when we're sort of ahead of the game and uh, ready to crack on again. Absolutely. What more could you want? Indeed. Literally nothing. Uh, right, that's it. Anyway, thank you, Chrissy. <laughs> well, that's it. What, that's it. I'm bad at doing sign-offs. I can never think of it. It's the same with my other podcast as well. But um, Chrissy, what a great guest. Thank yeah, you. Great thank you to our listeners and our patrons. We, we, no, we, we love you all. And thank you, Giles, as well. Thank you, Jim. It's been a pleasure. It has. It really has. Uh, and that's it. Have a great week, whatever you're doing, wherever you are. Take care. And we'll see you again soon on The Blank Podcast. Goodbye. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.